So, what I want to do, Parsha Tetzaveh, is I want to look at a little bit in the Parsha, and I'm going to move from the Parsha into the Megillah, seeing as it's Purim coming next week, and uh, it's appropriate to try and understand something in the Megillah. Okay, so, are you ready? So, the Torah this week in the Parsha, so the, each week, the next few weeks, is all about, well, last week we started with Trimmer. Trimmer was really about the, the physical construct of the Beit HaMikdash, of the Mishkan itself. Then this week is about the clothing of the Kohen Gadol, as a rule. And then next week is starts with other stuff, and it keeps going and moves. It's all about the construction of the Mishkan. Okay. In the clothing of the Kohen Gadol, if you look at um, Perik Chavchet, which is page 464 in the Art Scroll, or chapter 28, in, uh, just in the Chumash. So the, the, the Torah says the following, So bring Aaron and his sons, from means to serve me. Aaron And you must make the begadim for the coin godel, Lechavod or Latif Aret. What does Kavod and Tif Aret mean? Kavod are respect and Tif Aret and glory. So the Natif there, you know, there's this great statement in Shakespeare in, um, in Hamlet where he says, The apparel of proclaims the man. Which means, in English, <laughs> that the way we dress reflects who we are. Often. So here says the Natif that that's what's going on here, that the purpose of the coin god to wear these clothes is that people will see him in a Kovadika way. And what is the Kovadika way that he's going to, going to, going to wear? And it goes through all these different Begadim. And they're, they're, the Begadim are, fan, are, are fantastic. But there's something about clothing that does something special. And that is the Kovadika Latifarit. And because of that, we're going to now move into the Megillah. Because in the Megillah, we see, as you know the story, if you go to the Megillah, the story, everyone knows this part, right? The part is that... A man, Achashverosh can't shlof. He's battling to sleep. The question is why he's battling to sleep. So the, the Midrashans say the reason why he's battling to sleep, according to some, is that uh, he was worried about Esther and Haman. Why is Esther inviting Achashverosh and Haman to a party? Sorry, Achashverosh and Haman to a party only. Why only those two? Like, why does she invite other people? So he's thinking maybe there's a plot going on between um, Esther and Haman to kill him. Therefore, he calls out for this book of Chronicles to see if there's anybody that they haven't done anything um, in, uh, in reward for the good that they may have done. Because if the king is not prepared to reward the good, so then no one's going to come and tell him if there are any plots that are happening against him. So that's why he gets, and he gets this, this, uh, the book of Chronicles, and he reads inside the book, and he sees Mordechai, and we know the story, he decides he wants to reward him. The question is, why does he reward him with what Haman said? He could have given, and it's asked by others, he should have given him, given him a guy, give the guy a castle, give him a hundred million rand, and Shalom al-Israel. Why is it such a chap that he's going to get what he gets? So he goes, and Haman says to him, the best way to be machabed someone, to give someone covered, is to do what? Put them in the king's clothes, let them ride the king's horse, and let somebody walk in front of them and say, this is what you do to the person that the king wants to honor. Why? Why is that the biggest covenant? And then the king agrees that that's what he's going to do to Mordechai. 
There's something about the clothes, and there's something about the horse. Isn't it a chutzpah to think that you could wear the king's clothes? Yes? Okay? It's a chutzpah. It seemed to be a chutzpah to wear the king's clothes. That's number one. Number two, let's go a little bit further. What about the king's horse? Why is it so important for the king's horse? So there's a bit more to that. So I saw one of the commentaries, I can't remember who it was, but he said that after a certain period of time, Haman was on like a uh, probation. He's on probation as to whether he's going to be the right guy for the job. But after a certain period of time, the way it worked in Persia, was that when you passed your probationary period, what happened was that you got to ride the king's horse. And when you rode the king's horse, it meant that you'd made it. And it was given to you, and the king got a new horse. Right? So getting the king's horse is the symbol of the fact that you have now made it. So Haman, say again? You've arrived. So Haman says to the king, thinking it's him who's going to be honored, you know what, king? Firstly, wear the royal clothes. Now, we're not sure about the royal clothes, but we're going to see the royal clothes come in later. It's not about the royal clothes, but about the king's horse. It means, if you want him to honor me, right, now's the time. So now's the time, even though it might not be, uh, it might be within the probationary period, let's sign the deal, let's sign the contract, and that's it. That's really what he's saying. And the king says, brilliant idea. I need to be machabed somebody. I need to give somebody honor who I haven't honored, and I need to do it publicly. I need to show them how much I really honor them for helping me and saving my life. Why? Because if people get the honor of saving my life, if there is actually a plot going on with you, Haman, he doesn't say this to him, with you, Haman, and Esther, right, then they'll also want the honor and they'll, and they'll, they'll tell me what's going on. And that's why he says, fine, I'm going to honor Mordechai, this Jew who helped save my life, not with money, not with any, but with covet. Now remember, covet, the, the mission in Pirkei tells us what? There are three things that take a person out of this world. Kinnah, jealousy, that's Haman in his absolute. Covered, the desire for honor, and the desire for, and tither and physical desire. So, thank you. Oh, so Haman who is looking for the covered is the one who sets this up. The king who thinks that everybody wants covered because he wants covered. Why does he kill Vashti? Why does he kill Vashti? What a ridiculous concept. Well, we're not, that's what they say to him. That's what they say to him. We've got to be careful, the women, the women are going to like start being all horrible to the husbands, right? What's really going on is that if she refused to come, it's covered. It's all it is. Covered is the most dangerous thing in the whole world. Mordechai doesn't care about covered, right? But Haman cares about covered, the king cares about covered. Most people care about covered. And if covered is the thing that you can get from the king, then people will see you in a different light, then that's the way to reward somebody who helps the king. Got it? Okay. Now, I want to move out of that to the next thing. Now, we know that in, on, on, on Purim, when we read the Megillah, there are four psukim that are said aloud. Okay? Let's look at those four psukim. The first passage comes um, in chapter 2. It's lovely. about The best part about the Oscars is that the highlight of the stuff. It's kind of like, like idiot proof. Okay, so the art scroll says here, chapter two, verse number five, Ish Yehudi Hayab Shoshana Bira. Chapter that's on page one, two, five, three in the little ones. Megillat Esther, chapter two, 
Verse 5. Ish Yehudi Ayabishana Bira. It was this Ish Yehudi, which you need to understand, who was in Shoshana Bira, and his name was Mordechai, the son of Yair, son of Shimi, son of Kish um, uh, Yemini. He's from the tribe of Benjamin. Okay? So what is this all about? Why is this? So this is our introduction to the story of Purim allowed, where we start playing a role in it. What does it mean that Mordechai was an Ish Yehudi? Okay, so I'm going to ask, we're going to get there. I want to first understand why it's called an Ishuhudi. Because he dressed completely. Oh, no, 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 How do you know? He obviously stood out from... Who is he? It's his heritage. What's his heritage? All the people, the men of this, the men of that. And what are they? Where are they from? From Yehudi. No, they're not. They're from Benjamin. That's the problem with this Pasuk. Ishuhudi Hayab there's this Yehuda person from in Shoshana Bira and his name is Mordechai etc 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 and he's from Binyamin so either he's a Yehudi or he's a Binyamini which one is he? Rashi tells us an, an, an astounding thing here Rashi says that his name is he was called an Ish Yehudi because the t- well that's all Midrashim so I want to leave out the Midrashim for the moment let's just look at the possible uh, isn't that interesting you know what Rashi says Rashi says he's called a Yehudi because he comes he came with the Galut, the exile of the Malche Yehuda, of the kings of Yehuda, and he was called Yehudi by whom? By the Goyim. Not by the Jews. The Jews never called themselves what we call Jews. Right? Am Yisrael never called themselves Yehudim. The people who called us Yehudim were the Goyim. Because Yehudi is indicative of the fact that we're in exile. We're from Yehuda. It's not necessarily the most lovely term to be called a Yehudi. Okay? Yeah, but that's from Yehuda. But that, that's, you, know, you go back and we make droshes, but what I'm saying is that the, the, the first time it's ever mentioned is here that we called Yehudim because we come from the exile of Yehuda. So Yehudi really is a name that refers to us as the people in exile. We're not exile, right? That's their name for us. Our name for us is, I'm Israel. Very different. Israel is by definition a, uh, uh, a term of aspiration, whereas Yehudi is a term of situation. And that's very important. Right? We, need to, we need to live to be Am Yisrael, not the Yehudim. Because Yehudim is stuck in Galut. And that really, if you really look at it, there's, there's like this whole Galut mentality that still exists in Galut. There's a guy, Stephen Friedman. Stephen Friedman is a writer, he's a South African... Jewish writer, his whole thing is that the Jews shouldn't be standing up for themselves. Right? Why should we you know what standing up as proud and other? We're in Kaluk, we're in exile. He's an, ex- he's an exile Jew. He's a Yehudi. Right? We need to be B'nai Israel. That's the difference. That's, that's either you identify in the state of Israel its purpose and its goals, or you don't. Right? If you do, so then you can be a, a part of Am Israel. If you're not, then you're a Yehudi. Then you're always going to be an, a person living in exile. And I think it's very important. Okay, but that's the point is, this is our introduction to Mordechai. Then we go, the whole story. And the next passage that we say aloud now goes to where we started. The whole story has unfolded. And um, if you go to chapter 8,
Just go to chapter 8, verse 7. On page 1259. It says, I've, I've, hung, I've given the house of Haman to Esther and I've hanged him on the tree. Because he tried to get the Yehudim. And now you can do whatever you want. You guys are in charge to say whatever they want to seal with the royal signet for the edict. And uh, they can do it, so whatever you want to, to fight against the people that are trying to fight against you. And they do that. And they win the war. And we all know that. And then the, Torah, then the Megillah says in verse number 15, And Mordechai leaves from the presence of the king. And what is he wearing? Says the, says the Megillah, He's reading, he's wearing... The clothes of royalty. And what are the clothes of royalty? Techeilet v'chur. Chur is white linen. Okay? Yeah, when it says Hamelech HaChashverosh, it means HaChashverosh. Oh, you mean this one, Pastor? Yes. Because we're going to get there. We have to understand what this means because it's not as simple. Mordechai leaves wearing what? Royal clothes. Which royal clothes was he wearing? Well, he's not allowed to wear the bad time he does clothes. He's not, he's not a quote. So which royal clothes is he wearing? Look at the words. What, what did Haman say to, to, what did Haman say to, to the king that you should be done? He should wear Levush Malchut. It's the king's clothes. So it would seem to be, on a simple level, Mordechai has now got those king's clothes. Mordechai, oh, who should have worn those king's clothes? Haman. When he became the prince and he started getting, you get the horse in the whole story, that's what he should have worn. Now you see the whole v'nahafochu, the whole thing switches around, that Mordechai now wears them. However, however, the, the Vilna Gaon says something much deeper, and we have to understand what the Vilna Gaon is saying. Because when we think of royal clothing, we spoke about the Queen God. Wearing clothes, the kavod latifaret. And if you look at his clothes, they're a little bit strange, right? But a lot of gold and a lot of beautiful stones and all things. It's all there to show him off because he's, he's, he's connecting to our Kodesh Baruch. But what are the levush malchut that we wear? That's a question. That's an amazing question. Says the, um, the Vilna Gaon, Mordechai Yatsam Lifnei HaMelech, his leaves from Achashvairosh, on a simple level, before we get to the Melech is Hashem and all those things, how the leaves are Chashverosh, and what is he wearing? Levush Malchut. What's the Levush Malchut of the Jew? That's what I was going to say. The things that you don't change, what you wear and your name. What? No, it's not what you don't change. That's what they didn't have in Mitzrayim. Rav Moshe Feinstein said, after Mitzrayim, when you got the Torah, that stuff is irrelevant. And that's the biggest problem, is we stick to our names and our clothes and our language, we forget about Torah, you know? So that's irrelevant. What's the Levush Malchut? And by the way, Mordechai has always been referred to as Mordechai HaYehudi, except right here. Look here. Well, there's something about, something that's just happening now that Mordechai Yatsam Lifne HaMelech and he's no longer Mordechai HaYehudi. Yes, they did go back after. Correct, the building. So this is the beginning of that process. So they got him out of And how? 
Why is Mordechai Yatsa Milifna Hamelech? The Levush Malchut says the Vilna God, you know what the Vush Malchut is? He's wearing his talus. Just hold on, hold And that, what's the Techelet? It's the Techelet on the Tzitzit. And the Chur is also the white on the Tzitzit. And then he says, listen, wait, Vayateret Zahav Gadola. What is Ateret? What's the crown? What's the crown of the Jew? No, no, no. The physical crown of the Jew. See, it's hard for you guys to understand because you don't have them. It's your Tfilin Shalrosh. It's called the Atera. Atera Yisrael Betifara. Okay, now listen carefully to the words. Atera Yisrael Betifara. It's the brocha that you make in the morning. It refers to the Tfilin Shalrosh. Can you hear the word Tifara? Where is that word? You've heard that before. You heard it today. Tiferet, it's the same word. All of these things are connected. Can you see that, that Mordechai going out in his talus with his tefillin on is representing in the same way as the covered and the tiferet of the Kohen God. There's a, he's representing something. Now look what happens. Says the Vilna God. We're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting there. The tachritz boots. Tachritz, he says, is... The wrapping around, the tachrit, tachrichim, you know, like the shrouds, we call them shrouds, but it means a wrapped around garment. Says the Vilna Gaon, he's talking about the tefillin shalyad that you wrap around your hand, and the word argaman, which we translate as purple, is not purple. He says the word argaman is, is a reference to the different levels, the higher level of tefillin shalyad or tefillin shalrosh, and he uses Sukim to explain that. So this whole thing, while it seems, which is the Megillah, very simple. There's an unbelievable depth that's happening underneath. Mordechai, that he goes out in... Who cares that Mordechai is going out in, in like the clothes of the king? He certainly doesn't care. Why does the Megillah have to describe it? That's what everybody's problem is. Exactly. Because, because for Mordechai, this is, not, this is not describing Mordechai HaYehudi. That's the whole point. Mordechai HaYehudi wearing the king's clothes means he's wearing the king's clothes. No, the king's clothes. Achashverosh's clothes. No, yeah. If it would have said Mordechai HaYehudi, then it means Mordechai who is part of the Galut experience and the king's clothes that he's wearing are not his clothes. They're the king's. They're Achashverosh's clothes. But because it says Mordechai, without Mordechai Yehudi, he's now moved out of that Galut experience. He's now wearing the, 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 um, the essential Jewish experience, clothes. What are the clothes that clothes a Jew to make a Jew into a prince and a king? It's a talus. Talus and tefillin. That's what makes it. I ever tell you this unbelievable story? Exactly. It's irrelevant. And you're going to see where this... Let me, I'll show you how it unfolds into why it's such an important system. When I, was, when I went to Yeshiva for the first time, I went to a place called Merkaz Torah. So when I went to Merkaz Torah, I went in... Um, I, I went to go have an interview and everything. It was fine. Whatever, and I went about two, three weeks later, I went to log into Yeshiva. But I logged in in the afternoon. And when I came in the afternoon, the, the, the Rosh Yeshiva was very friendly to me. When I initially came, it was a little bit like distant. I didn't really get it. Um, and the next morning, when I went to Davin, and I was going to go and speak to him about it, I put on my tefillin, and I'm davening, I'm davening, and he came up to me, and he said to me, Oh, Yonason, now I recognize you, you look like a prince. Because I have my talis and tefillin. That's this experience. That's the Jews' princely robes. Okay? So, look, look what he says. Let's carry on. 
So he goes out, Mordechai comes out, dressed in his talis and tefillin, according to the way the Vilna Gaon says, are you listening carefully? And the result of that is what? The city of Shushan is very happy. Why? Because they can now open new shops to buy talis and tefillin. I mean, what's going on? Ha'ir Shushan, not the Jews. That's the next pasuk. What just happened? The city of Shushan was was exalted, happy. Everyone's happy. Why are they all of a sudden happy? Okay, let's carry on. Let's see. We'll come back. We'll see it. And then the next pasuk says, La Yehudim Hayat Vikar. Though the Jews had light and gladness and joy and honor, the Gemara says, What is Ora Simcha Vasasan Vikar? Ora is Torah, Simcha is Yontif, Sasan is Brit Mila, and Vikar is, uh, is Tfilin. Ora is Torah, Simcha is Yontif. Sasan is, is, is Brit Mila, and Vikar is Tfilin. So you've got to ask yourself what's going on here. What does it mean that all of a sudden the Jews had Torah and, and, uh, and Yontif and Brit Mila and Tfilin? Well, who said they weren't? Where do you know in the Megillah that it says that, that Haman, or that they weren't allowed to keep mitzvahs? Oh, no one says that. We know that Persia was a very open place. Everybody could do whatever they wanted. Right? So, says the Vilna Gaon, again, in the Alanisim, we say, Bimei Mordechai Esther, etc., 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 that Haman came, Bikesh, Lahashmid, Laharog, Ula Abed. See those three words. Bikesh, Yontav represents 
What is your intent with that? So what is your answer for that? It's about it's the cycle of what? Not just the year. It's bigger than that. It's connecting to Hashem through history. Who? Thank you. It's connecting to Hashem through history. It's the cultural experience of the Jewish people, Yontif. That's why if a person doesn't have Pesach, it's not a very difficult spirit. How do, how do you connect to people who don't engage with, with Pesach Seder? If you don't have a game, you've got nothing. You've got no history, you've got nothing. You can't live your life according to the fact that there was a Holocaust 70 years ago. Right? Pesach is about bad to good, beautiful, ex- you know, um, exile, exodus, all these experiences. You don't have that, it's very difficult to connect. That's what Haman was trying to do. Brit Miller, Brit Miller is obviously, Brit Miller is very clear, that's identification, not only identification. The purpose of Brit Miller is Kedusha. The Kedusha of family. The Kedusha of, of, of the most intimate experience of a husband and wife is what makes us into Amisra. If you don't have that, you are nothing as well. And Tfilin is the outward external exper- um, representation of my connection to Hashem, my hand and my, with my heart and my mind. Salman was brilliant. to Hashmid is he trying to destroy those things. It doesn't say so in the beginning. It only says so at the end of the beginning. Why? Because they were so busy worried about the actual physical annihilation that those things aren't so important at this point in time, it would seem. But it's clear that they couldn't have them. How do we know that? Because in this passage it tells us that only after Mordechai came with his talus and his tefillin, everybody got very happy and the Jews had all these things now. What's in place? So what's in place? Why is the Ir Shushan Tala Vesamecha? So why is the Ir happy? Not about the Jews. What is on track? And therefore, what does it do for the Ir Shushan? Do you hear my question? Forget about the Jews. I'm talking about from Shushan from, uh, from uh, extension. Why is he so happy? That's very from, but I want to take it another route. But they're not in Israel, they're there. Why are they happy there? Because for the first time, people are able to express themselves in the way they want to. Now, Persia, by definition, was a place of open expression. How do I know that? You know how I know that? Because it tells me at the beginning of the Megillah. Right at the beginning of the Megillah, it tells me about this great party. Mm, it was unbelievable. And you know what happened at that feast? Vashtiya kadat einonet. Einonet. There it was no forcing anybody. Everyone could do whatever they want. Kain yisad ha-melech al-kol rav beitola asot. Ish ish. That the king said you do whatever anybody wants to do. Which means semi chaos, but it's, you can do whatever you want. It's all open, it's open, it's a lovely experience, it's freedom, you can do whatever you want. What happens with Haman? What did Haman do? Haman said you can't do whatever you want. There's a day you've got to kill the Jews. All of a sudden, 
the society changes. People are terrified. You've got this man who walks around the street expecting to be bowed to. You can't do anything you want. Everybody's doing whatever they want in secret. Now, when Mordechai becomes the man who's able to express himself in the way that he wants to express himself, everybody's samecha. Everybody is joyful because they know that it's back to the way it was. And for the Jews, back to the way it was means what? That they can keep mitzvot in the way they want to keep mitzvot. And that is the fundamental part of the Megillah. And now, I'll tell you something. Do whatever they want to. It would seem to be they stop outward experiencing. Okay. It seems to be that's part of what the Hashmid. The Hashmid part is that. Did he order it? It's not first in the Megillah. But it seems to be from here, according to the word the Vildan Gone wants to learn it out, is that that's what happened. There's, the his, there's a history that we're not told. Remember, the Megillah is all about Megaleh to reveal. You've got to look for the stories into Megaleh. And that's why I believe, I've never seen this anywhere, but I, I just like, it just makes sense to me. You now it says you've got to read the Megillah at night. Chayav Adam Likrot Megillah Balayla. So you've got to read the Megillah at night. Velishnota Bayom. What does Lishnota mean? Like Mishnah, right? It's the same. Or from Shani to read it the second time. But I think what it really means is you've got to, the first, the night of the Megillah is you just get reintroduced to the story. The day of the Megillah, the day of Purim is not about reading the Megillah. You have to read the Megillah. But in the reading of the Megillah, you know the story. Now you've got to start looking a little bit deeper. Go deeper like you would Mishnah, like you would anything that you learn. The first time you look at it, it's just a cursory glance. The second time you look at it, you've got to go a little, little bit deeper. And I think we often forget that. We just so quickly trying to get the Megillah over that we forget that part of the experience of the Megillah is to understand what's going on inside the Megillah. I just have a thought. Haman had this very, like, his way of maintaining order. Mm-hmm. Very good. Very nice. Very nice. Very nice. Okay. Very good. But now I'm saying, she's my sister. Very proud. Very proud of my sister. I'm very, very proud of my sister. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So having having gone through that whole thing. What I, want, uh, what I want us to understand is that there's one last pasuk that we say aloud. So we can understand. The first pasuk we say, we're introducing, we're introducing ourselves to Mordechai. The second and third pasuk we're saying is because we see Mordechai as emerging, not as the Mishneh Lamelech, which is what he, we're going to tell about now, because it doesn't say that here. It just says, he came out, and if now Melech, this is about Mordechai standing proud as a Jew, and the Jews, Am Yisrael, being able to revisit themselves as Am Yisrael. And then, the last Pasuk tells us a very, very interesting story. The last Pasuk of the Megillah is the one that we, um, that we repeat. And we say the following, Ki Mordechai HaYehudi, that Mordechai the Yehudi, can you see what's happened to him? Because of the next two words. What are the next two words? Mishneh Lamelech means? Mishneh Lamelech. What does that mean? 
Who else is the Mishneh Lamech? Who's that? Who else do you know is called the Mishneh Lamech? Huh? Yosef. She didn't eat it like that. Thank you. Mordechai Hayudi is Mishneh Lamech. Not Mordechai who went out in his talis and tefillin. Right? Because although he went out and he was, he was reconnected, he's now back in as the second to the king. And all the Jews, are, you see this now, he's the, the Gadol for Yehudim. He's the, he's the great sage for the Jews, for the people in exile. That's who Mordechai is. And he was, he was um, most people loved him. What does it mean most people loved him? It means that some people didn't. Okay. So Rashi, it's a well-known Rashi. Rashi tells us what does it mean that most people loved him. It means there were people who didn't. Say again? No, it seems to be the other way around. It seems he was like, he was, he, was, he was one of the big machas in the Sanhedrin. So who stopped liking him? Why would you not like Mordechai? Or not like, like is the wrong word. He's, um, what are they called? They call it found favor. In other words, there's a certain level of disfavor that Mordechai has with a certain group of people. Not the majority of the people, but some of the people. So who would be the people that dislike Mordechai? Haman supporters. Haman supporters are always, they, they went to Argentina. Okay. Okay. So who? And that's because it's Ratsui Lerov Echav to most of his brothers. So we're talking about Jews. Which Jews don't like Mordechai? Unbelievable. Why would Jews not like Mordechai? Mordechai is the oak. But this is the only way you're going to get there is by having a Jew. And we should see what happens to the next generation. Why would you not like Mordechai? Why would you not find favor? Oh, Mordechai, this is a man who because of him, Esther stood up and because therefore they were able to do the whole story. <laughs> so now listen to what, the, what, the, what Rashi tells us quoting from the Gomorrah. The people who were not happy with him were some of the members of the Sanhedrin. We're talking about the greatest sages of the Jewish people who knew everything, who knew 70 languages, who knew other unbelievable human beings. Because some of them were Nevi'im, some of them were prophets. This is the end of the, of the, of the period of prophets, right? So we got the greatest human beings ever. Why would they not be happy with Mordechai? So you're saying it's jealousy. So the way Rashi presents it, interesting, I never thought of that, that's very interesting. Rashi presents it as because he's now involved in politics, number one, and he's been mavatal his Torah. And because he's no longer learning as much as he should have, or he's not involved in Torah as much as he, he they felt he should be, so there is the judgment call which is problematic in and of itself, okay? they don't like him so much. They don't find such favor in it. He's not, he's not their favorite. But look what it says. That's the difference between Mordechai and them. Doresh means to, 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 to strive for, to desire for. What is. Doresh Tov for who? La Amor. Correct. What is he doing? 
So he's busy making sure that everybody's okay and ensuring that there's shalom for, his, for, for the, all the Jewish people. Mordechai's not sitting back doing nothing and like enjoying the fruits of, uh, you know, uh, what's it called? Um, um, Zuma's uh, palace. What's it called? <laughs> he's not enjoying the fruits of his labors. He's working hard in order to ensure that Am Yisrael maintain their status as the free people. So why is the Sanhedrin so upset with him? Or some members of the Sanhedrin? So you want to say because they're jealous? I think that's hard. I think it's hard. I'm not saying you're wrong. I just think it's hard. Why? What's the problem with what Mordechai's doing? Because if the people only love Mordechai and wanted to emulate him and see he's not learning and see so much so I think, that's, I think that's a very big part of it. That's what I was thinking as well. Mordechai becomes the icon of the Jewish people. Right? What's the icon of the Jewish people supposed to be? Well, that's the difficult part. Because what is the icon of the Jewish people supposed to be? Who are we supposed to be like? Who are we supposed to strive to be like? Are we supposed to strive to be like Moshe Rabbeinu? Like Aaron, Akoin? Like Avram Avinu? Like Yitzchak? Like Yaakov? They all play different roles at different times in different spaces. Say again? As do we. And that's why it says in Yudavanus every single Shabbos, Moshe v'Aaron b'chuanav u'shmuel b'chorei Shemol. Right? Moshe and Aaron and Shmuel, in different periods of time, there are different icons because there are Kodesh Baruch who puts these people in power because at that point in time, there's a need for that type of power. Our problem is, I think, personally, if I may make the statement, okay, is that we've lost that understanding of who the power base is supposed to be. Because maybe it's not supposed to be kulatura all the time, right now. Maybe we need something else. Or maybe it is. I don't know. But the battle that we're fighting, um, hashkafically, is exactly that. And it's those hashkafic battles that are destroying the very essence of the Jewish people. And so therefore you'll find that most um, real commentators, people who have an idea, say it's very clear. Right now, we do not have the real leaders any longer. Those great, great leaders of the Jewish people are missing. Because a great leader will stand up and say, this is unacceptable and this is what we've got to do. I don't know what is unacceptable. I don't know what it is that we've got to do. But we've got jury in America that behaves in one way. We've got jury in Israel that happens in one way and the jury next to them in Israel that happens that behaves in another way. Right? And so all of this jury is problematic. Why is it problematic? And this goes back to Haman. Listen carefully. It's quite scary this. Haman pointed out to Achashverosh and this is what got Achashverosh thinking. He said, there is an Am Echad, listen carefully, Am Echad, Mefuzar and Mefurad Beina Amim. There is this nation that's supposed to be one that is spread out amongst the people. And from that he says, and that, what it means that they spread out, it means they're not connecting to one another properly. Since they're not connecting to one another, one another properly, what? Let's just wipe them out because they, they have no benefit whatsoever. Haman says, the, um, his name is Rav Lounder, he was from Vilna like 150 years ago. So he says, Haman chaptas. And Haman, in order to shtuch the Jewish people, had a pur, he had a goral, he had this, uh, what's it called, lottery. What was the purpose of the lottery? To find the one day, listen to the words, the one day in which you could kill the Jewish people. 
Why do you have to have one day? Have a week, have like a thing, and just butcher the Jews. Right? One day. Why one day? So he says, because he understood that if we can come together for one day to kill the Jews who are totally separate, that's where our power lies. Our unity against their disunity. So I think that part of what this little verse in the, um, at the end of the Megillah is saying is that we came together to fight against our, non, uh, to, against our enemies. But how quick we were to find that yes, most of us are together, but how quick it was to lose that unity just because of politics. Just because you, you don't see the way I see things. But Mordechai is different. Because what? He is Doresh Shalom, Doresh Tov, La Amor, for Dover Shalom, La Cholzaro, for everybody. Mordechai doesn't differentiate. And that's what makes him the greatest leader of the time. Differentiate. La Cholzaro, to all generations. So I think that's what makes a difference. So thank you. I hope we learned something and that our Megillah experience will be different.